Hello, and welcome to the Canyons Are Calling podcast. I'm Charles Jocelyn, your host for this show. First of all, I have some super exciting news for all you Inlay Canyon gear fans. Tom has finally found some ladies in the United States that are making backpacks again. So we have some mystery packs on the website right now. We're making a batch of leprechauns and collabs, and the first of the year will probably come out with some heaps. These batches are being done in small batches. They're made locally in Utah and Arizona. And so be patient. The mystery packs went really, really fast. And so we do have them um, coming back in circle. So be patient, but it is exciting that they are going to be made here in the United States and we are coming out with backpacks again. So thanks for your patience. You can all check those out at canyoneeringusa.com. I don't think that's Tom is going to be selling them with the local retailers in store because just the expense that it is to make the products in the United States. Uh, he wants to be able to sell them at a fair price and... I don't think that is going to be included with the retailers, but that might be coming down the future. Also, because the batches are so small, we, we are making like 10, 20 at a time. I just don't think it's feasible to put them in all of the stores. So unfortunately, the only way I think you'll be able to get the Made in the United SA backpacks is going to be at canyoneeringusa.com. Also, we have critters back in stock. <laughs> we have blue and purple for now, and we have orange wasabi blue and purple on their way from Taiwan. So we are hopeful to be over the big hurdle that we have had having critters maintained in stock constantly. So moving forward, we should have those. And also the like large silos, small silos, the USA ladies are making them too. So they're hard work a bunch of people. We're super excited to have them join our team. Shout out to Mary Lee, Simantha, and Deidre. Also Marjorie, she cuts so much stuff out, works her butt off. So I really appreciate all these ladies and I know Tom does too. Anyway, enough about Emily Canyon gear. If you are enjoying this new sound system that I have, I'm hoping that moving forward, I can learn how to control the audio levels of people. I know that has been one of the biggest complaints of the show. Um, I just purchased this awesome new equi audio equipment. So if you're enjoying this and appreciate all the work that I do on this podcast, the only way I was able to buy this equipment is because of the support that I get on Patreon. And I really, really appreciate all of my Patreon supporters. You can donate as little as $2 up to $20 a month. My Patreon members get stickers, beer glasses, and then I also have a monthly canyon call where we just talk about different canyon uh, topics. I have guests on from time to time, or we just talk about a different theme for the night. So those are really fun. They're always the first Wednesday of every month, and I really look forward to those. It's really fun to get to know the people that help support my show. So if you'd like to to join in on that um, it's also the only place where I allow people to ask questions for upcoming guests so I usually try to remember a few days ahead of time to post who I have an upcoming interview with and if you're interested you can ask them a question or or just say something to them whatever so anyway that's for patreons you can do that at patreon.com slash the canyons are calling also, you can join us on our Facebook group page is Canyons Are Calling and Instagram is Canyons Are Calling. 
If you have an idea for the show, please reach out to me at thecanyonsarecalling at gmail.com. This show would really not have as many awesome interviews as it does have if it were not for the recommendations of the fans and the people that have reached out to me that way. So I really appreciate all of those ideas and I'm looking forward to more. So reach out to me at thecanyonsarecalling at gmail.com. If you'd just like to support the show by buying yourself a beer glass or some stickers, you can do that at thecanyonsarecalling.com. I need to really get updated on my my um inter- my <laughs> episodes on there, but if you're listening to this, it's obviously not on the website. So <laughs> go there, get some stickers, beer glasses for yourself and your friends. And anyway, on with the show. So Tyler and his friend Tyler <laughs> um, have decided to redo some of the bolts in Zion. Some of the steel plated bolts are just getting worn out and rusty and they needed to replace them. And so they have taken it on themselves to go through and replace some of the bolts in the canyons. And as controversial as the bolting dilemma is, I do feel like sometimes the bolts are necessary and sometimes they need to be moved to a different place where they're gonna do less damage and to like cause rock grooves, rope grooves and things like that. So I really appreciate Tyler Miller and Tyler Goldfellow for all of their work. I know Tom's also helped a little bit and some other people are you know, just really trying to make it a lot more safe for the more people that the park is experiencing so I do feel like this is an awesome cause and it does take him a little bit of money so he does have a GoFundMe account it's GoFundMe Zion Canyoneering Anchor Replacement so I have a link to that in the show notes and if you'd like to donate for their time and their energy and the money that they have spent on um, bolts and anchors um, please go ahead and do that consider it just buying them an after canyon beer or something it's a really great project and they have a lot more to do so anyway not that I'm encouraging people to just go out and randomly place bolts and canyons I do feel like it needs to have a lot of consideration when you are going to place a bolt and when you're going to replace a bolt and I really feel like you need to know what you're doing, how to do it correctly. And if you don't know, reach out to somebody who does, like Tyler. Um, He obviously has done a lot of research and um, gone to school kind of for this, taken courses to learn specifically how to bolt. So um, I feel like he's qualified enough to talk about it and enough to do it and um, give recommendations on if you feel like it needs to be done in an area, reach out to him. If you want to help him and see how it's all done, reach out. He probably won't mind having having people tag along. Um, anyway, that being said, I'm going to get on with my interview with Tyler. Enjoy. Okay, today I'm here with Tyler Miller. Hey, Tyler, how are you? I'm good. So Tyler is a guide for Zion Guru and... Uh, Red Desert Adventures. Um, and you also are volunteer search and rescue for Zion National Park. Uh, yeah, I, I actually I work for the park, so I actually get paid, which is nice. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That's way better than a volunteer position, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting your life on the line. You should get paid for it. You've done some crazy stuff for the search and rescue, I've, I've heard. I've been a part of some pretty cool ones. So Hopefully we can do... Uh, how not to get search and rescue involved 
episode with you guys yeah yeah absolutely that'd be really cool but today we are here to talk about bolting bolting <laughs> yeah or rebolting actually yeah i think is, that's uh it's a better than new bolting i i think i mean i think it really depends but i think that at least my primary focus right now is going through and yeah replacing old bolts that are that are worn that are reaching probably their end of life um and trying to get that stuff out and get new modern kind of stainless steel stuff in in its place awesome so before we get way into that process um let's start out a little bit about how you got into the outdoors um i grew up a pretty outdoorsy kid um i did a lot of camping hiking a little bit of climbing um i had parents who were teachers so i got to travel a lot in the summers do some big some big road trips. I grew up in Iowa, so middle of the country, flatland, uh, lots of cornfields, not a lot of not a lot of vertical terrain. Uh, but got to do a lot, travel a lot, and see a lot of different places, um, and kind of fostered a love of the outdoors. And then when I was in college, got started climbing um, for a good period of time. I would say that was kind of kind of the major thing that defined my life. Um, moved to Colorado, lived in Colorado for a number of years, and. Did a lot of alpine climbing, a few walls, just a lot of climbing. And then from there, kind of transitioned into, was in Indian Creek around Moab, Utah, and popped a pulley in my hand and couldn't hold on to holds. And I'm like, well, I got all this time. And like, I know how to rappel, like how hard can canyons be? Um, so I started doing some canyoneering around Utah after that. Uh, and then had the opportunity kind of was was spending some time kind of living out of a van full time uh climbing traveling and met a very good friend of mine who's a canyoner from New Zealand um and learned a lot of kind of canyon specific things from him and then took that forward and kind of kept building on from there and then moved to moved to Springdale moved to Zion and uh started guiding canyons and a little bit of climbing and Kind of never looked back, so it's been about five years now. Okay, awesome. You've done some extensive training for guiding, right? Yeah, uh, so I have my CGI, so Canyon Guides International Pro Guide Cert. Um, so can take that and guide most places here in the U.S. as well as international locations. So What's your favorite place to canyon? I mean, Zion will always have a special place in my heart. There's a reason. There's a reason I live here. Um, I would I would also say that the Grand Canyon is very near and dear to me. So I've done the, and had the opportunity to, to do a fair bit of canyoneering down in the Grand um, and learn learn from kind of some of the best. So I've done a lot of done a couple of river trips with the Trudeau, um, as well as quite a few canyons from the rim. Awesome. Um, internationally, do you have any places that you like to go? Uh, I'm headed down to Costa Rica this winter. Um, I've done a fair bit in Canada. And some great canyons around Squamish, so I would say those are those are kind of the two destinations that I'm pretty excited about. Need to make it down to New Zealand still. Yeah, New Zealand and Australia are high on my list. Yeah, Costa Rica's rad, so have fun there. Those canyons are amazing. I'm excited. So, how did you get into bolting? Uh, I was living in Boulder, Colorado, um, and doing a fair amount of climbing down there. A lot of a lot of climbing in El Dorado Canyon and ran into a guy one day who was who was out replacing some bolts and kind of just asked about it. 
and eventually got involved with the uh, um, Boulder Climbing Coalition um, and Access Committee for, uh, for El Dorado, which are two kind of the climbing advocacy groups out there. Uh, and went to some kind of just volunteer hardware replacement projects that were put on by Greg Barnes with the American Safe Climbing Association, as well as Greg Germain, um, who works a lot with Access Committee for El Dorado, um, who are kind of two of the leaders in terms of sustainable hardware replacement. So for a long time, kind of the solution to to replacing an old bolt was was to cut it, patch the hole, and put in a new bolt, you know, a foot away. Uh, with with climbing, that's especially problematic because it changes the character of an entire route. To move the bolts, to move the clipping stances, changes right. the entire style and the, and the movement and and a fundamental character of the route. Yeah. And so they they pretty early on developed a lot of the tools and techniques to to remove common hardware that we find in both crags and canyons. Um, just kind of standard powers five piece bolts, stud bolts that type of thing, um, and to remove those so that you could salvage the hole and reuse that same bolt placement. Um, so I was able to learn learn a lot from them and help out with some, some hardware replacement projects there, and then did a little bit here and there, kind of as needed, um, as I found, found stuff that was in bad condition that needed replacement, and then, you know, living in Zion and, and venturing out in those canyons, you kind of just start to notice that you're like, man, there's stuff like... I haven't seen in years. Like, right. there's like old store drives and and button heads and and stuff that on in the climbing world, that was the first stuff to kind of be replaced because it's it's kind of the scariest stuff to use. And so it's like, man, some of this stuff is like still here. And then there's just kind of eventually just encouraged by a friend, just like you know what, you know how to replace it, just go replace it. Um, and so started just doing that. At know a fair number of people um, in the park. And just kind of, you kind of hear about some of the notorious bad bolts or stuff that gets reported to, to rangers as, as not being in good shape. And then just kind of taking that skill set out and just replacing stuff. And over time, I don't know, kind of, I guess a reluctant advocate, but I've in a lot of ways kind of, kind of led the charge on doing a lot of that, at least lately. Um, and, and got the opportunity to work with a lot of other people. I know Tom's done a lot as well. Um, and so just trying to, trying to identify the, the major problem areas and then, you know, solve that logistical puzzle of how you go in and, and replace all the anchors in a canyon, which, uh, given some of the hardware we're using, um, can't be repelled on right away. Uh, we're using glue and style bolts. So that adhesive needs, needs a certain amount of time to cure. And so in a lot of ways, it's, it's part it's part logistic puzzle just to get all that gear there, get hardware replaced. You know, in a lot of cases, we're ghosting the canyon because um, we can't repel on the on the bolts that we've replaced. Um, so finding finding those anchors and it's it's cool. It's a it's a fun problem solving project. Um, I don't know that it would necessarily meet most people's like conventional definition of fun. It can be <laughs> it can be very industrial um, and it can be a lot of work, but it's also it's also a cool problem, and it's cool to to get to give back and to, to make an impact. And ultimately, I don't think that every anchor needs to be bolted by any case, and I don't think that every canyon needs to be bolted. But if there are going to be bolts there, those should be those should be safe bolts. Right. 
Yeah, I've come up on a couple in Zion that I'm like, this thing's older than I am. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of scary, um, some of them. Like, I've pulled bolts out pretty much by hand um, in the park and just kind of, like, it's a little scary when you come on those. And uh, yeah. It surprises you. It never stops surprising you, I think, uh, even when you've, when you've pulled a lot of bolts. Um, some stuff that you're like, this is going to come out, like, super easy. Like, this is going to be nothing is really in there um and other stuff that you're like oh this is rock solid sometimes isn't you're like oh man i can't believe that came out came out that easy wow so that's like a note to everybody to make sure they're checking their bolts and anchors when they're in the canyon so yeah absolutely like checking your bolts checking your anchor (laughs) point carrying gear to carrying gear to tighten a bolt um if you come across come across a loose bolt I think the other thing to be aware of, though, too, is the, the, the level of forces that we're putting on those, even even a bad bolt at, you know, a one kilonewton load right. is, gonna be is able to probably going to be pretty okay. <laughs> right. um, so we're, we're not getting anywhere near close enough to the, to the ultimate limits of those, of those anchors and those points that... We should hook you up with Ryan Jinx before he, you take the bolt out. He should do like the test pull thing to see how many kilonewtons is in there. <laughs> It'd definitely be interesting to see some pull tests on some of that old stuff. Uh, Ryan's someone who I have a ton of respect for, though. I learned a lot, learned a lot from the Bolting Bible and from Ryan. And it's a good, it's a really great summation of, of bolting knowledge kind of all in one place. Right. Um, but I don't know. I think that can probably be a pretty destructive process to the rock. Oh, uh, that's true. In Canyon, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to destroy rocks. Is there a way, like, can you take them back to, like, the lab and test them once you pull them out? Or are they destroyed once you pull them out? Uh, it depends on the, it depends on the bolt, depends on the, the process used to remove it. A lot of them are somewhat affected by the process to some degree. I mean, every bolt is a little different in terms of how, in terms of what the removal process for it looks like. Nah, they're usually a little affected. I mean, you could definitely, you could definitely get him exemplars of of hardware that that has been here and you could probably bolt test it i imagine it'd be cool to see <laughs> just fun to watch. yeah <laughs> anyway what were some of the worst uh anchors that you've replaced so far worst in terms of quality of the anchor itself or like quality of the installation maybe both okay um so i think the the scariest stuff that i've replaced in terms of the the bolt itself would be kind of star drive bolts. And so what those are is like essentially like a, a soft metal, almost like a lead sleeve with essentially like a nail hammered into it. And that nail causes the sleeve to sleeve to expand. But it's a it's a really soft metal. It was I mean, those are some of the some of the older bolts that you'll find in Zion or in the desert in general. Uh, they were very kind of early technology. And you just never know how well adhered that metal actually is to the rock. Really? Um, so those are those are one of the ones that every time you pull them, it'll either like come out on like the first tug, or like they'll fight you. And so it's just it's that like it's that wild kind of unpredictability. That's a that's a little scary. Yeah, that is kind of wild. I mean, in terms of the the worst condition of anchors that I've pulled out, or like kind of worst installations. In Icebox, there was a incorrectly installed sleeve bolt, so it was it was deadheaded in the hole, and so it hadn't had the can- expansion cone wasn't engaged at all. Um, and that one 
kind of pulled by hand. The whole bolt just kind of came out. It was backed up with a second bolt that was that was solid, but okay. that one I think was was held in largely just kind of by the camming force on the bolt in the hole. The expansion cone of the bolt itself wasn't wasn't engaged, which is just a a bad. The hole wasn't ever drilled deep enough, and so the bolt wasn't able to go go fully in. Do what it was supposed to do. Yeah, there've been some glue ins that have kind of gone bad in the park. Some kind of early glue ins that were placed. So there was a spinner in Pine Creek that had about three quarters of a turn of spin on it and that's just um it's an example of bad glue uh they used to encourage kind of the use of glass capsule glues for glue-ins which essentially you take like a glass tube that's full of the two parts of epoxy or in this case it was a polyester adhesive um and as you hammer the bolts in it breaks that glass and the two parts kind of can come together and then you're supposed to spin the bolt to effectively mix the glue and if you actually look at the manufacturer recommendations, there's like a special tool and you're supposed to spin it at like a certain RPM with a power drill to like effectively mix it. And so oh, yeah. it's a little a little unknown and a little dicey as to whether hand mixing really effectively effectively mixes that glue. And so as well as coupled kind of with a, a little bit of the bolt design that was used, um, they have a tendency to kind of lose adhesion to the bolt and the, the glue will actually spin in the hole, which is... Which is a little scary. It's always intimidating when you're bolt spinning. Yeah. <laughs> but got it replaced and the new one is, is doing great. So Awesome. Um, so in Keyhole the other day, mm-hmm. you posted something about the type of glue that they used in there. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? So Yeah, so that was a power spike piece bolt. Um, and so that particular type of bolt has a metal a metal expansion sleeve that's like slotted. And then as you tighten the bolt, it tightens literally like a, essentially like a machine bolt into a metal cone. And as that metal cone tightens down along the bolt, it forces that cone to, or that expansion sleeve to expand. And in this case, I think I've seen it before, but I think someone had put Loctite or a thread locker on the bolt as they tighten the cone down. And so what that did is essentially bonded the cone to the bolt. Um, so that... As that, as that bolt had been used and kind of worn into the sandstone a little bit and, and started to spin, there was no way to effectively tighten that bolt because the expansion cone was locked in place with thread locker. Um, that also means when you go to replace it, there's no way to loosen that bolt. Um, and so I, yeah, it was a, it was a little over an hour of, of trying to trying to get it out before I kind of realized that that wasn't going to happen, and then essentially took a hacksaw blade and two zip ties and got the hacksaw blade in behind the bolt hanger and was able to cut it off and then patch it. Um, yeah, just an unfortunate case of I don't know if the logic behind that was was probably to prevent spinners, um, and it was just a poor understanding of how of how the bolt works. Works um, that yeah, it doesn't loosen. But it also no longer tightens. And then when you come along to replace it, it no, no longer loosens either. Um, so Yeah. That's an interesting scenario. Yeah, it was not fun. <laughs> not fun. And now there's a scar <laughs> in the canyons that we tried to avoid. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, it's a, I mean, it's a difference between ordinarily that style of bolt would take 15, 20 minutes to remove and then a little bit of time to kind of re-drill the hole a little deeper 
to fit those fit the style of glue in we're using and it'd be it'd be a 30 minute replacement versus uh versus a four hour um so yeah. i was a there were there were some words yeah i bet so. <laughs> no and i think it's just i think it's just a misconception with how the bolt works but it's definitely like and you don't know you you come along it and you're like oh okay like this is gonna be super fast super easy and then and then it's like pretty soon you're like oh no like i know what's going on here (laughs) oh man so we're talking about bolting in zion but can anybody just go bolt in zion or how does this work like not that we're encouraging people to go bolt yeah not that i would yeah so the the bolting policy in zion is essentially that (laughs) that anyone can can bolt the bolting policy essentially states that bolts should be should be minimized and only used where necessary and but that doesn't preclude kind of the the replacement of of bolts or or the installation of new bolts for that matter i just think it's it's one of those things you really want to think about it's a it's a very permanent change and you can get pretty good at patching but like you can never get perfect and so it's one of those things i'll i'll a lot of thought before a bolt is put in but i put in new bolt anchors in in zion that i felt were were justified for certain reasons um that i've usually in the case of rope groove mitigation. Yeah. Um, so some of those in, in especially popular trade routes that are just seeing more and more traffic, some of the natural anchor options are going to be prone to prone to rope grooving or linking kind of multiple stages of certain repels. Kind of the start of Pine Creek would be a great example where, where linking that those, those first two drops was leading to some pretty, pretty bad rope grooves developing and, you know, there was the trick of like flipping the rope over the horn, and and then you look on the top of that horn, and you're like, man, like a lot of ropes <laughs> have been pulled over this. Yeah. Um, and so, so added a second station there, just to kind of with increased traffic to just try and mitigate mitigate that level of impact, um, as well as I mean, canyons are a dynamic environment and always always changing, and um, there are times where they where they change pretty dramatically. Um, I think the the high anchor in telephone is a is a great example of that where you had an anchor that was now like twelve feet off the ground, um, right, <laughs> way up there, um, and so relocated that one a little lower just to make access a little a little less scary. Nice. Are there more canyons that you are gonna rebolt here in? Like, how many more do you still have to do? Oh, there's a lot. Yeah, and and some of the largest like logistical puzzles like. It's pretty daunting to look at a canyon like Imlay and think about like, like replacing heaps. that many right. that many anchors or yeah heaps. Would you um, just be like, I'll do this section this season and this section this? Season. Yeah, and I feel like with glue-ins, a lot of that will probably be for just speed and efficiency. Like going through and on the first run, like you replace one bolt out of each two bolt anchor, or you you add a second bolt to to single bolt anchors, and then you've got you've got that one remaining bolt to still still repel on while that glue is curing. Um, and then you come back in the second wave and you've got all of the cured glue to be able to repel on those bolts then. And so do it in at least, at least probably two stages for those larger canyons. I mean, it could be four, five, six strips. Just kind of depending on, depending on how easily some of that stuff comes out. And you have to like to do MLA a lot in order to do that many trips through. I've done it like quite a few times. I like him like it's a good canyon. I've done it three times, but the sneak route three times. 
Nice. I need to do the full thing one time. Nice. I still have yet to get into heaps, but... You haven't done heaps yet? No, the last repel sequence freaks me out. It's so. good. Just have your have your beta dialed, yeah. like, in advance. Like, as long as you sequence through, it's awesome. Yeah. It's super good. Eric and Laurie said they'll go with me when nice. I'm ready, so... Heck yeah. Uh, we'll see. It's really good. I have to, like, heal these stupid injuries. And then yeah. Get on it. <laughs> yeah. Next year will be the nice. year for sure. Nice. Um, so how do you let other groups know that this is a new bowl and the glue is drying? Uh, so yeah, two ways. I have pretty good communication with the wilderness desk at the park when, when I'm going to be going through and, and replacing bolts so that they know that, that I'm in there and they know to, uh, to warn anybody else who's pulled a permit, to, uh, to be on the lookout for kind of wet glue, um, as well as our red tag bolts. So I just put a, put a piece of tape on them that has, kind of like I don't use until time. And the epo- and the glue that we use cures pretty fast. Generally at the temps that we're working with in Zion, it's gonna be it's gonna be cured in about forty five minutes. So it's not a it's not a hugely long it depends a little bit on what glue you're using. If you're using like pure epoxies, it'll be more like twenty four hours, in which case that's a that's a little more significant. But right. in most cases the vinyl esters that that I use are right around forty five minutes to an hour to cure. So it's not a it's not a really long cure time. Process. But, okay. Awesome. Um, and so, yeah, it's just letting letting people know so that if they they do come up right behind you, they don't they don't repel on it until that glue is cured. Awesome. Um, another question: Do you ever need people to go with you to help carry gear and in these building projects? Yeah, it's it's always helpful to have have extra extra hands and extra people to carry gear and. I'm lucky enough to to be pretty connected within the the Zion community, and so so usually I'm able to able to find people, but I'm always willing to to to, to go out, yeah, with, and, to, and take help from anybody. Um, I think it's definitely it's a slow process. Like it's yeah, it's like it's not the most active Canyon Day that you'll have. It's a lot of <laughs> a lot of sitting around. Uh, watching watching glue dry um or or drilling holes or um i mean we're not we don't we don't use any power tools in zion and so it's all hand drilling which is a which is a pretty time consuming process yeah it does take time but it's worth it (laughs) so if anybody wants to help out with the project how can they reach out to you i'm on i'm on facebook i'm on social media uh that's probably the best best way to get in touch with me just tyler miller but yeah, that's probably the easiest way. I mean, I'm always around Springdale. And how are you funding this? Is there a way that people can help make donations? To uh, get yeah, bolts and equipment that you yeah, yeah. That's this? that's one of the things like we kind of ran into early on. Is initially we were just kind of buying all the stuff ourselves, and it starts to add up pretty quick. Like, I mean, a bolt is one bolt around like eight dollars ish. Tube of glue is about twenty. Um, nozzles about two dollars a piece. Um, quick links and wrap rings and webbing and, and all of that stuff. And it, everything we're putting in is stainless steel. So it is a, it is a little pricier. Um, so yeah, we did start a GoFundMe to just kind of help, help buy some of that kind of raw materials to do, to do hardware replacement work. Um, so yeah, that's available. Um, um if you can send me the link to the sweet. GoFundMe, I'll put that on the okay. cool. show notes. So people yeah. can yeah. check that out too. Yeah. I don't know what it is off the top of my head. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I can send it to you. Perfect. All right. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about the rebuilding project before we finish up? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that what we're trying to do with the rebuilding project is just kind of help help move those canyons into into the next era. I think the reality is is that when a lot of those canyons were initially done, you know, they maybe never thought someone was coming behind them, and they certainly didn't think that that it was going to be a a sport of the magnitude that it already is. And, and I think canyoning will will only continue continue growing in popularity. And and I think the ultimate reality too is that they didn't have they didn't have modern gear available to them. You know, they were using whatever they could go to the go to the hardware store and pick up and kind of kind of cobble together and you know, purpose built climbing hardware or canyoneering hardware wasn't wasn't a thing that was available necessarily. Um and so I think now the challenge is going back through um, and trying to trying to modernize those anchors so that um, so that when you use a bolt in Zion, uh, you know that that's a that that's a good bolt, um, and that that hopefully we won't we won't run into issues where you have just a kind of like a Swiss cheese of of various different eras of bolts. Like hopefully this is hopefully this is the final time that this gets done for for a long time. I mean. We don't have, gluons haven't been around that long to have a lot of real world data, but, but the estimate on the glue and the stainless steel and all that, like in the desert environment, that stuff should be good for, you know, a hundred to 500 years before, before it needs to be replaced, which would be awesome. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully it's kind of setting things up for the future. Um, and I think that's the goal. I like mitigating the rope grooves for the hordes that are coming because yeah. this sport is definitely growing. It is definitely growing. Um, yeah, and that's the that's the big challenge is trying to figure out trying to figure out what the what the best way to manage that is. And yeah, I don't know that that every anchor needs bolts necessarily, but certainly that if if they are there, they are they are something that's gonna that can be trusted. Because I think the reality is that most people see a bolt and just kind of implicitly trust. Yeah. And so, yeah. What about those super bomber, like, like in ladder? Do you know what I'm talking about? They almost look yeah, like yeah. a Via Ferrata. Ring. The ones that Joe French put in. Yeah. Yeah, we the, found the some big in like the canyon. Yeah, in ladder we in and the other day. Yeah, and then the Huntress and yeah, those are they those seem are really bomber. Do you know when they were huge. put in? 10 years ago, probably, um, oh, they seem to like, that to like five years but, ago. Okay. Um, yeah, they're actually, hmm. they're actually like telephone pole anchors. Those things like started out like a foot long. Um, oh, wow. they're okay. huge. Yeah. They're like three quarter inch steel. Right. They're, they're massive bolts. They're um, a lot of them have been <laughs> cut down a little bit from that, like 12 inch. That would be a, right. that whole would not be fun. There's a yeah. reason you don't see those in, in Zion where you have the hand drill. Right. Um, right. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, those things are super bomber. Um, yeah, they're they're not going anywhere. Cool. All right. Well, there's a couple of questions that I ask everybody before we say goodbye. Okay. What is your favorite in Canyon snack? I feel like I eat a lot of almonds in Canyons, like just salted almonds. Um, that's that's probably my go-to, like working, for sure, because uh, you can just grab them like as you're as you're kind of in constant motion. I think the reality of guiding is you don't get a lot of downtime. No, uh, everybody else gets downtime. You're kind of constantly doing stuff. Uh, so that would probably be my, I don't know if that's my favorite, but it's my go-to. Nice. Fair enough. Um, how about your favorite after Canyon beverage? Oscar's raspberry lemonade. Like after a hot day, like, 
Yeah. I'll drink a lot of those. Nice. Um, they're really good. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite piece of gear that you carry with you? Microtraction. Just makes super versatile piece of gear and makes everything a lot easier to have it versus versus other other solutions. Have you tried the nano traction? Yeah. How do they compare? It's sweet. It's light. Um, yeah, I use a nano traction in the Grand Canyon. It doesn't have the ability to lock the cam back, which isn't a huge deal uh, if you're like hauling multiple people um, and you have to like feed the rope out to get it back down to them. Mm-hmm. You got to take the rope out and uh, just lower it because uh, there's no way to lock the cam back. You got to just like hold it back. Right. Uh, but I think for most practical purposes, it's it's sweet. Like it, that's not a, a real downside. Um, especially for like for the weight, like that thing barely weighs more than a tip block. Right. Um, yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, I just picked one up. I haven't used it yet, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah, they're super nice. Cool. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Probably New Zealand uh, right now. Uh, just to do canyons. Uh, they look phenomenal down there. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> had, a, had a trip planned down uh, kind of pre-COVID and then then that did not happen. So... Uh, yeah, I would love to make it down there to do some canyons. Yeah, those canyons do look phenomenal. Um, do you have any safety advice you'd like to leave our listeners with before we say goodbye? Um, I think just be prepared uh, and and make sure that you are are current and recent on kind of small party rescue skills and available able able to respond to situations that present themselves. I think the reality is most of the time you're in canyons. And everything goes right, like it's a pretty easy, pretty easy sport. Um, but things kind of go wrong in a hurry. And being being fresh and being current and being capable uh, for those for those hopefully rare occurrences matters a lot in in instances where you only kind of have where you have to respond quickly is the thing because things things can go wrong go wrong quickly. So. I think that would be the main main yeah. one. Well said. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing the hard work so that we can have safer bolts in our canyons we love so much. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for chatting on the pod about it. Okay, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Tyler. He has a ton of work ahead of him. So if you appreciate the Zion Canyons and his hard work of replacing the bolts there, please reach out and donate to his GoFundMe effort. It's GoFundMe slash Zion dash canyoneering dash anchor dash replacement, bunch of other stuff. So I'll have that huge link in the show notes. You can probably go to GoFundMe and just search Zion canyoneering anchor replacement and it will come up and that just helps them, you know, replace all of the bolts that they have planned. It takes a ton of time, a ton of energy and some money to buy all this equipment. So Really appreciate what they have done. Uh, if you are enjoying this beautiful handpan music in the background, shout out to Z, the handpan man. You can find him on Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, or zthehandpanman.com. Uh, reach out to him and let him know that you enjoy his beautiful music. I find it super relaxing while I'm taking a bath after a hard canyon, letting my muscles relax super peaceful. I enjoy it. So I hope you all do too. (laughs) 
Anyway, check out my website, get some beer glasses, stickers. They make awesome Christmas gifts this holiday season. Speaking of which, I've teamed up with Rumple. They have incredible sleeping bags and blankets. If you haven't, well, it's not sleeping bags, it's sleeping bag quilts. And they have some new hemp blankets and Sherpa fleece that I'm super excited about. Uh, if you don't know of them, check out the link in the website. Uh, they just have amazing camp quilts. So I prefer those as opposed to like a mummy sleeping bag where I feel like I'm in a straight jacket. And they're just super cozy and warm. They have a bunch of different cute styles. I really love their National Park collection, but they've teamed up with some amazing artists and are coming out with tons of super cute blankets. So I wish mine would get worn out so I could justify buying a new one, but I really can't because they are such high quality. So <laughs> maybe Santa will bring a new cute one for Christmas. Anyway, <laughs> I'm daydreaming. Let's just go. The canyons are calling. <laughs>